0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London, together living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So today we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. The sun is risen and he wants to rise up within each one of us. He wants to reveal himself to this world through us. So, uh, what if you and I could overcome no matter what life or hell throws at us? Because I believe the answer to seeing that a reality in our lives is when we embrace the Easter story. Both the cross and the resurrection. What if you and I could overcome no matter What life or hell throws at us? I believe the answer is there in the cross and in the story that we're going to unpack today. So about five years ago, I I was appointed or elected onto the Shofa Christian Church Apostolic Team, the leadership team of the church group, uh, overseeing about 40 plus churches. Now, a week before that happened, I didn't know that it's going to happen, but a week before that, I was spending time with the Lord, and I heard the Lord ask me this question. Andre, can I trust you? I didn't know what's going to come, but I heard the voice of the Lord ask me this question. Can I trust you? Can I trust you with promotion? Can I trust you? With more influence, can I trust you with more of my power upon your life? Can I trust you? And I believe the Lord wants to ask that question to all of us today. Can I trust you? Because I know for some of us, we're experiencing promotion in our lives. Some of us are, uh, we've got headmasters in the, in the, in the church. We have Head of departments. We have people that are being promoted in the business environment. Um, they, they, they're overseeing a lot of people. Promotion. Blessing. And, the, and I believe the Lord is asking this question. Can I trust you with more? Can I trust you with more? Because I realize, you know... Persecution and suffering and challenges, those those things are not the biggest tests of life. I think favor is the biggest test of life. Blessing is the biggest test of life. Because you've gotten what you've asked for, but now, how are you going to respond? Are you still going to be close to the Lord? Are you still going to be intimate with Him? Or you've got what you want, so, you know, moving on. So I think favor is a bigger a bigger test, a bigger challenge to our lives. And I believe that in this coming season, that more and more of us are going to experience favor, promotion, blessing. In other words, more of us are going to experience resurrection life. And that's what Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly resurrection life that is what god is going to pour out upon us he's an extravagant dad he loves us so much he wants to impact the world there is no limit to what he can do but the question is will the blessings of god lead to glorifying jesus or will it lead to our destruction that's the question And that's sort of what I want to unpack today. I want to answer that in the context of the cross and the resurrection, the Easter story. There are some incredible keys in there that reveals to us the kingdom life. I, I've been just reading and, 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 you know, it feels like every month there's another church leader that's lost their way. Some famous somebody. Another divorce, another moral failure. Another excess, another something that that is bringing damage to the name of Jesus, and I'm wondering, I'm asking. It's like I've the fear of the Lord upon my life. I'm like, Lord, will we also just be another step down the down the line, ten years from now, five years from now, or will we remain faithful to the end? Who are we going to be, guys? Who am I going to be? Who are you going to be? Because for every church leader that loses their way, there's probably a thousand church members that lose their way on one level or another. So it's easy to point a finger, but it's actually we should be evaluating ourselves. Can God trust us? And are we positioning ourselves in a way where we will stand till the very end? Because that's what I'm trusting for. Not just one generation, but from generation to generation to generation. Blessing because we have positioned ourselves in the right way. And I believe it's found in the cross. It's found in the Easter story, the answer to this. So I was uh, telling Sonica, my wife, over the weekend. I just told her, you know, just reading the things that's happened and, and, and seeing how favor and blessing and promotion has ultimately caused the corruption of people. In 2006, we were part of planting um, Shofar Cape Town. And and I told Sonica, I, I realized that if if we continued leading that church, and let's say it actually worked and maybe thousands of people pitched up, let's say the church really grew. <laughs> I told her, they would probably be the biggest curse of my life. Because at that time, 2006, 2007, I I hadn't learned the lessons that I have learned since then. I I didn't position myself in the right way. And and I I just believe that if I experienced favor and blessing and promotion in that time, I would have not listened to my wife. (laughs) I would not have listened to the people around me. I would have probably positioned myself in a place where I would be vulnerable to the schemes of the enemy. So my question to us is, are you going to stand? Are you going to stand to the end? Are you going to stay on track to the end? Can God trust you, me, us with favor, with blessing? Because over the last 10 years, I've seen incredible things in terms of miracles. And I just know God is saying to me, there's so much more coming now. I really feel the Lord is saying there's increase coming. Greater miracles coming. I shared some of the stories over the last few weeks. There there are greater miracles coming. There's greater favor coming. There's greater blessing coming. There's more of the Lord's power coming. I mean, resurrection life is going to be released over our lives like we have not seen. But I'm concerned. (laughs) Is it going to destroy us? Or are we going to stand? And so I want to answer that question that I want to help us today. To stay on track till the end. Amen. Come on. So let me pray for us. and I'm going to unpack this. Father, we thank you for this, this morning. We thank you that you are here. We thank you for your word that is powerful. We thank you, God, that you call us to yourself. And Lord, we declare we want to be those people that you can say, I can trust them. They're faithful. My sons, my daughters, and my servants. So Lord Jesus, we welcome you here and we say, have your way in our midst in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So the Easter account. People respond differently to it. Some of us stand from a distance and we applaud. We say, Jesus, well done. Well done, thank you so much for dying for us, but we never come closer. We stand at a distance and we're not changed by the, by the account, by the story. We don't have a revelation that the cross isn't just something Jesus did for us. It's also an invitation to come and die. So some respond like that. From a distance, well done, Jesus. Then others, and I think it's a large portion of western christianity we like man we love this resurrection thing we love this abundant life we love the blessing we love the all the good promises that's in the scriptures it's it's awesome but we're not coming to the cross ourselves and then there's the other side of the coin that some Parts of the church they don't embrace the resurrection life of Jesus. They're just like, "Wow, Jesus died and He rose. That's awesome, but there's no resurrection life today." So they're just focusing on the cross. Man, you need to suffer. You need to die. You need to give your life to the Lord, and you you can't be joyful either. Just just miserable. Okay, so that's also that's just sad. (laughs) That's just sad. The, The 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 challenge is it's both. Come on, say both. It's both the cross. And the resurrection. And you cannot have a resurrection without a death. And you and I cannot experience truly the power of God upon our lives until we come to die to self. You need to go through the cross to experience true resurrection power that will not corrupt, that will not destroy us. That's the challenge. We need to come to the cross. And so Western Christianity has sort of likes the, likes the resurrection, but we don't like the cross. We like to applaud from a distance. But a kingdom lifestyle is revealed through the cross and the resurrection. Jesus shows us not only, you know, praise God for what he did for us so that we can have relationship with him, but he also says, I want you to live like this. I need you to live like this or you will not be able to impact lives as you are called to so act one verse eight the classic well-known verse that that reveals this resurrection life of jesus is about: you shall receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in jerusalem judea samaria and to the ends of the earth so Jesus, from the very start, is was like, guys, I'm going to put my power on you. And I want you to impact the world. So Jesus wasn't thinking small. It's not like he was small minded. He was always thinking massive impact. The world, the nations. There are so many people on his heart. He's like, man, it's like there is no limit to God's goodness, to his glory, to his blessing, to his ability to promote I mean, just like a Joseph in, in Egypt, you know, he was promoted to the second ranking officer, you know, ruler in the whole of Egypt. God, hasn't, he doesn't have an issue with promoting. The question is, can he trust us? And I think the Lord often holds back because it's like, if I give this to you, it's going to destroy you. If I bless you with that, that million rand or that contract, that deal, it's actually going to destroy you. You're going to walk away from me. So I am holding back. And so I would love a scenario where God can say, man, I can trust these people. I don't need to hold back anymore. Let's go. That would be awesome. God in the house. But So we need to walk this journey to position ourselves in that place. You shall receive power, resurrection power, to bring life to dead hearts, life to dead marriages, healing to broken lives, salvation to lost souls. Take this message To the world. There's no limit. There's no limit. But we need to do this God's way. So look at this. Luke 9 verse 21. So Jesus speaking. And he's in a sense prophesying. Of what is going to come. See Jesus knew that he's going to die at the cross. And he says. And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one. That that he's the Christ. That he's the Messiah. That he's the son of God. Saying, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So he's prophesying. Jesus knew. He was not like surprised. He chose to die. So he had like a prophetic word. He could see into the future. He could see the cross. He could see the pain. He could see the suffering. But he could see beyond the cross. He could see the reward of his soul, of his suffering. He could see beyond the cross and, he, and that he will be risen from the dead. You see, Jesus could go through the cross, through that humble obedience to the will of God, because he saw the reward, the benefit. He could see us. That moved him. I can just imagine him being whipped, being beat, and hanging on that cross. Unbelievable pain that he went through. And I can just imagine him in in his mind's eye seeing you. And it's, it's worth it. Let's continue. Let's finish it. Let's go all the way. Because he saw on the other side. And I believe that's why... The prophetic, we've been speaking about this over the last month plus with our Open Heavens conference about the prophetic. And the prophetic is so powerful. Because it's like seeing beyond the cross, the reward. I, I think so many times, if you and I could just see what's on the other side of a storm, of pain, of disappointment. Of whatever we're going through, if we could see on the other side, we would go through that thing with a lot of joy. It's like, hallelujah, there's some good things coming on the other side of this. Sometimes you must prophesy to your storm. Man, there's some beautiful things coming. But I think what sometimes happens is because we don't see what's coming... We don't have those prophetic words necessarily, or we're not holding on to it. We're not seeing all that God wants to do. So you're in that storm, you're in that thing, and you're like, ah, let's stop this. I'm out. So you're like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm walking, I'm, I'm getting I'm, I'm getting out. Now what happens? You miss your taste, you miss your character development that would have prepared you to carry the presence and the power of God upon your life. It's like God gives us tests. If you fail the test, the good news is you must just write it again. But it might be three years later. Some of us go in cycles. You've been here before, you didn't pass the test, so you're going to do it again. And you're going to do it again. And you're going to do it again. (laughs) No, pass the test. Stay in the furnace, stay in the storm, stay in that place until you pass. And I believe there are, you know, for, for you and me, there are these moments, these critical key moments in our lives that sets us up for favor, for blessing, for promotion, But if you fail that test, if, or if you don't have the character development, you're gonna, that other thing's gonna kill you. Or the Lord's gonna hold back on us. So Hebrews 12, verse 2. It speaks here of looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the originator, the source of our faith. The finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endeared the cross. You see, joy for the joy. He saw us. Therefore, he could go through the cross. He could humbly obey the Lord. It says, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. On the other side of the cross, there's promotion. So Jesus had joy because he saw. So you and I need faith. In other words, when you and I come to the humble obedience to the will of God, although it is uncomfortable, although it is sometimes really painful, if we come to the cross with faith, in other words, we can see what's on the other side. We're going to have joy. Are you going to stick into until you get, until you break through? So what trials and tests are, are you going through? What, 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 areas have, there might have been cycles where you've been failing the test. So I, I believe you can, you can do it. You can overcome it. And so it continues, Luke 9, 23. It says, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me. Sure. Oh, what a beautiful word. It's, uh, imagine someone comes to you and say, Hey, do you want to follow Jesus. Do you want to come after the Lord? Do you want to come after the Lord? He was like, Yes, I want Jesus. I want to know Him intimately. I want to be with the Lord. And then how? (laughs) Then it gives the answer. Ah, then let him deny Himself and take up His cross daily and follow me. Let him deny. Himself, the pathway to the fullness of God, the resurrection life, is through the cross. Deny yourself. So in uh, 2009, I I enjoy squash. And so in 2009, we we just arrived, uh, and uh, there was a lady in church that I played squash with. She was a teacher, so she was flexible, and I like to be flexible because in the evenings I'm busy with ministry, so she could play during the day. And so I would play squash with her. She played a good game, and uh, it it was great, you know, so I can get my exercise in every now and again. But it made my wife uncomfortable. So Sonica was uncomfortable. So she's trying, because now, you know, I'm SMSing the days before WhatsApp. SMSing. One another, like when we 're going to play, and so forth, and Sonica was uncomfortable and now she 's speaking to me about this like i don't i don't know if you should play squash with a girl, you know, and i don 't like it, and I was just like man it's the, it's it 's it's working for me and it's she 's not my type, so it 's no it 's like nothing you know i 'm not interested and i 'm like sonica don 't you trust me so now i 'm just like offended male, you know. You don't trust me, you jealous woman. So I told her, stop it. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Stop it. You know? Um, Anyway, so that's about six months down the line. So she didn't talk to me about it. But she was really struggling. And at the end of 2009, I was preaching in Cape Town at a large church. And God was showing up. It was incredible, incredible meeting that evening. It was just like, oh, God's with us. And now Sonic and I were driving back to the place we were staying at. And I'm like, that was amazing. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so she was like, not like her. She was not connecting to the Lord. And she was she was spiritually, she felt like she was dying. And so we sat there in the car in the dark outside of this house. and And so we spoke about it. And I was just listening. So after six months before, I wasn't listening. Now I was listening. Because she's really struggling. And so she shared with me that she doesn't know why. And guys, this is unfortunate how it sometimes works. The ladies don't always make sense. It's just like male, it's not male, it's female. Doesn't always make sense. And you just want like, oh stupid. But so I'm listening to her and I hear her heart. And she says, this doesn't, She something, it's not, you know, and I realized this it all goes back to when I told her, I don't want to talk about this anymore. We talk about everything. So there was an off-limit area. I told her, I don't want to talk about this. And I realized she, she's struggling. She's dying spiritually, disconnecting from the Lord. I don't understand why, but I do know that I can solve this. I had to deny myself. I had to choose to say, okay, no more. So that evening in that car, as we were discussing, I just realized I need to make a call. So the call was no longer squash with this lady, sent her a message the next day, say, no more, not going to do it anymore. But beyond that, I made a decision that I will never spend time alone with a female except my wife and my mother. Praise God. And that was a defining moment that was a God moment that was denying self that was going through the cross on a minor scale, but it was a quality decision that I believe has protected us, our marriage and our relationship with god and and, and it's def- I, I believe it's one of the reasons we're still standing because even in our church family around a year and a half ago, one of the pastors um, was unfaithful to his wife with one of the staff members. And I said this a year before. I told all the pastors, guys, you cannot spend time alone with the opposite gender. No alone counseling. No alone time. The guy ignored it. A disaster. Absolute disaster to the church, to his future. So my question is, can God trust us? Can we make quality decisions in our lives to position ourselves in a place where God can say, hey, I can trust these guys. There's accountability. There's humility. There's teachability. There's godliness. Can I trust? Can I trust? Can God trust you? And and the, the your challenge might be something different. But ultimately, it's the same. It's about the godliness, the behind the scenes where no one sees. Are you willing to make those quality decisions so that ultimately favor and promotion won't destroy you? That's the question. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to come and speak to us and lead us and move us into a place of safety. Where you can say, hey, listen to your wife. Listen to that friend. Listen to your leader. Man, I am sometimes so so challenged. So challenged, even sometimes when you like you meet with somebody and you realize mm, so you haven't come to listen, you've come to tell. And then you step away from the vehicle because you know this vehicle is gonna crash over a cliff at some point. There's a reason the Lord raises up leaders in our lives to guide us, to speak into our lives. There's a reason why the God gives us brothers in Christ or sisters in Christ, because they see things that we don't see. And we need to allow them to speak to us. So Jesus says in that verse, if anyone desires to come after me, in other words, do you want that resurrection life? Let him deny himself and take up his cross Daily. And follow me. You see daily. Every day there is an opportunity to pick up our cross. And I tell you that picking up that cross is normally to do with our relationships. If you're married. Your spouse. Tell you there's an opportunity to pick up your cross. Every day. There's an opportunity to, to lay down self. And make your partner's deal more important than your own. Say so, is there. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Verse 24. For whoever desires to save his life, you will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. There is a journey. A journey, a pathway that God calls us into. To where our character will be built so that we can. Stand faithful to the end. In other words, there might be a scenario where you say you're in the business, your own business or something, and it's struggling, and you know if you cut a corner, it will survive. But cutting that corner is illegal or immoral. And so you have this decision now. Are you going to cut the corner and you survive, you save your life, or are you going to... Humble yourself and do it with integrity and godliness and the business might actually fail. And you go through your cross. Because I tell you on the other side of that cross, you would learn what you need to learn so that God can say, I can trust you with millions. But so few are willing to go through that cross. They save their lives. They save themselves. They don't learn what they need to learn. And so they miss out on all that God has for them. Okay, so shortcut. Don't take the shortcut. Come on, say it. Don't take the shortcut. Walk through the cross. Walk through the cross. Walk through the cross. Walk through that humble obedience to the will of God, even though it is uncomfortable at times. So um, one of our pastor friends, um, Pastor Niels, uh, he preached here, what, two, three weeks ago. And he and his wife and two kids, they went to uh, the to United States for a year. They went to attend the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in California. So it's a, a school of about like 2,000 people, pastors, leaders, and whoever else wants to grow in the power of God, wants to grow in the supernatural. They want to grow in hearing the voice of God. They want to learn how to pray for the sick so they get healed. So it's an incredible experience. It is resurrection life all the way. But so Niels told me that at the end of the school, the leaders started to speak and teach all the attendees. Because they said they've done a study. They've evaluated the, all their alumni, the guys who goes through the through the school. Three years down the line, most of them are not in a local church. Not in a local church. And so they were teaching the guys about get stuck into a local church. Humble yourself. You know. Be committed to the will of the Lord. And and that really spoke to me because I realized that if you go for the resurrection life and you start experiencing, well, I hear the voice of God. Man, I prayed for somebody. the miracle happened. And all these incredible things. Then there is a temptation that comes with that to exalt self. Man, I am powerful. So I am too good to humble myself and serve at a local church. I am better than the others. And I picked this up with myself around 10 years ago when we started to really trust God for, the, for, for, for healing and for miracles and for the kingdom of God to come. I picked it up with myself. As more and more miracles were breaking out, I started to pick up in myself a bad attitude. I was looking down upon other pastors and leaders in our church family because, you know, I'm the man with the power for the hour, you know, so, uh. And I realize that's just so ungodly. It's pride. It's arrogance. Because you forget where you come from. You forget that you're nothing without Jesus. You forget that you can't, you can't heal a headache. And that's why we need to come to the cross. Because when we come to the cross, we are reminded that I can't I can't I can't even save myself when you come to the cross you realize you cannot work for your salvation you come to the cross and you realize only Jesus could have paid the price to save us from our sins only Jesus could restore us back to the father in other words I'm lost without him I'm nothing without him so you need to come to the cross we need to remind ourselves At the cross, we embrace humility. At the cross, we are reminded again of how small we are and how powerless we are. That we can't do nothing without Him. Come on, say it. I cannot. I cannot. But on Resurrection Sunday, we discover that He can. Amen. But He can. I can't, but he can. There's no limit to all that God can do. No limit. No limit. Except the limitations we put on God if he cannot trust us. So what are those areas in your life that needs to align with God's word? What are those areas of the, 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 where, where integrity needs to come in, where humility needs to come in, where honesty needs to come in where purity needs to come in where godliness need to flow in it's one thing to say i want abundant life you can't have it if you don't go through the cross that is the challenge so jesus there in the garden of gethsemane And he's on his knees and he's sweating blood and he's wrestling with God about what he needs to do now the day before he was crucified. And I I can imagine how it would play out. I mean, we know Jesus prayed to the father and said, father, if there is any other way but the cross, can we please do that? And I can imagine the father saying, my son, you know, there is no other way. You know that they cannot save themselves. You know that they are, are bound by sin and darkness and evil. All of mankind, they are lost. It's in your hands. You need to do this. You need to go to the cross. You see, at the cross, we see our inability and at that same time we see this in the apostles the the guys who were called by Jesus to change the world we they came face to face with self and it wasn't pretty they came face to face with self i mean peter old simon you know when they were at when jesus was saying man i'm 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 going to go to the cross i'm going to die and peter was like i'm going with you i will not deny you i am with you all the way jesus i can imagine Jesus, with compassion, look at Peter and say, hey, you're Simon. Simon, (laughs) you're not Peter now. You Simon, you do not know how inadequate you are. You do not know that you can't. You're going to deny me. All of you are going to flee. Maybe then they came face to face, face with self. I mean, Peter, um, when, when, when he was confronted by the slave girl, like, you with Jesus, he was like, no, I don't know him. He would even cuss and swear, I don't know this man. That was Peter without the grace of God. <laughs> you can't. He came face to face with self and it wasn't pretty. If you had a commentator from the outside coming in and watching this whole thing, it would be something like this. Uh, Jesus, your movement is dead. These guys are useless. Absolutely useless. They deny you. They flee. They, they, they cuss like this. And Peter is the leader. This is game over. Jesus, you wasted everything. No, but they came to see I can't. And until you come to that revelation, God cannot trust you with his power. Come and say it, I can't. You cannot save yourself. You cannot be faithful for, to God for the rest of your life in your own ability. You cannot do this. That's why you need to position yourself in a place where God can say, well, I can. I can trust you. I can trust you. So Peter came face to face. With self and it wasn't pretty. But I tell you, when you come to the cross and you face your inadequacy, it is actually freedom. When you stop trying to save yourself. When you stop trying to work for your salvation, you just receive it by faith. By humility. You see, God begins to work when we come to the end of ourselves. It really is freedom. When you realize how small you are without him. So that's the truth you and I need to embrace. I Can't. James 4, verse 5 to 6 unpacks a little bit more. It says, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. What does it mean? It's like the Holy Spirit within us is like, hey, I'm jealous for you to be pure. I am jealous for you to be holy. I'm jealous for you to be Honest, even when it's uncomfortable. I'm jealous for you to position yourself in a place where you would listen to wise voices around you. He yearns jealously because he wants to give us more of him. And then verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now every married man would have experienced this at some point. You are approaching your wife for intimacy, and she's like, I have a headache. No. Ni fandahnibr. No. And then you reevaluate yourself and you realize, but you've been selfish this last week. You've been focused on your own deal. You've been doing your own things. You haven't been investing in her. You haven't been serving her. You haven't been loving her. You haven't been filling up her love tank. And now you want something from her, but you, you've not loved her in a way that she wanted to be loved. And so she's like, no. And it's the same with God. It's like, Lord, I want intimacy with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to hear your heart. I want to worship you. And God is like, no, because your heart is not right. No, because your heart is actually stinking. It's all about you. And you need to deal with that on the inside. And that's why we need to come to the cross. That's why we need to come to the cross, because that's where we die to self. That's where we get circumcised in our heart. That's where we learn how to love people around us. I think that daily cross is primarily in our relationships. Learning how to love others and serve others in a way that God desires us to do. I mean, it went so far. that I mean, the disciples, they were competing and envious and who's the greatest. And at some point, Jesus just said it to them straight. He said, you can do nothing without me. Nothing. Come on, say nothing. Nothing Nothing without me. Nothing, zip, nada, squat, zero, nothing. You can do nothing. You discover that at the cross. You discover that at the cross. And that is freedom. And that humility positions yourself in a place where the grace, the power, the favor of God can raise Upon us, So, man, I'm like, I want to be there. I want to be there. Every opportunity, I want to choose to humble myself. You know, often when I pray for people, especially when they have feet problems or knee problems, I go onto my knees because I want to serve them. I want to love them with the love of Jesus. And we need to choose that. When you commit to the cross with faith, then the Lord says, I will commit to give you resurrection life. If you commit yourself to humble obedience to the will of God with faith. In other words, you're seeing the, what's coming beyond. you seeing the resurrection life. The Lord says, I'm going to give you resurrection life. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to promote you. I'm going to give you favor. So the first thing is there, I can't. Okay? I want to end off with this. The second truth. If you want to go up in the kingdom, you need to go down first. So look at this verse. Mark chapter 10. Ending off with this passage. It says, Jesus got them together to settle things down. This is when the disciples were arguing who's the greatest. And see, God doesn't have an issue with greatness. He just redefines what greatness is. He says, you've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around. Like Vladimir Putin. You've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around and their armies. And when people get a little power, how quickly it goes to their heads. I've seen this. I've seen this with young people, young adults that get the job that they like. And suddenly, Jesus, you, you were doing Jesus like every week, whole week, until you got your dream job. Why are you now not pursuing Jesus? When people get a little power, how quickly it goes to their heads. And then Jesus says, but it's not going to be that way with you. How is we going to be different? Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. And when you know that you're a child of God and you're anchored in your relationship with Jesus, then you can be a servant. Then you can lay down your life for others. Verse 44, whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. You want to be the greatest? You want to change the world? You want to impact people for God? You need to be the least. You need to be the slave. That's a challenge. And then verse 45. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served. And then to give away his life in exchange for many who were are held hostage. In other words, Jesus saw beyond the cross. He saw us. So he was like, okay, this is really tough. This is unbelievably tough, but I'm going to lay down myself. I'm going to obey the will of God, although it is even shameful. It is humbling. It is painful. I'm going to do the will of God because I'm seeing. I'm going to lay down my life for others. And that is what God calls us to. But it's usually small little things. Not necessarily a big thing. Maybe every six months, there's something big. Most of the time, it's small choices you and I make to position ourselves in a place where God's kingdom can come through us. So let me give you an example. Like if you you talk rugby, the guys will often say, you know, we need to do the basics right. We need to scrum well. We need a solid line out. And then we can do the fancy stuff. But let's get the basics right. So what's the basics for the Christian life? The basics, here's a few options. Be planted in a local church. Even though society is going the other way, you're like, man, I need to be in community, as the scripture says. I need to be in relationship with others. That's a good basic to get in place. Man, I'm in church no matter what. Even when it gets uncomfortable, even if there's strain in relationships, even if the leaders fail, I'm in church. That's a good foundation. Another area would be, hey, I'm in a life group. I'm going to be part of a community where I can have one-on-one accountability with the people in me. Why? Because I want to position myself in a place where God can trust me. But if you're not in those kind of accountable relationships, how can God trust you? Because you're missing your blind spots. You're missing those aspect of your life that needs to grow. So that's a second area that one can step into. And the third area would be to discern in the spirit what God is doing in the house. You know, when I travel and go to other churches, then I see it really is amazing what God is doing right here in East London. It really is amazing what God is doing in our midst, the quality of relationships, the presence of God, the things that God is doing in the house. It is so beautiful. And I think sometimes we don't see it. A lot of us are seeing it, but maybe some of us are not seeing it. And, I, and, I, and if we would all see what God is doing, then we can align ourselves in unison. And God, let your kingdom come in East London. God, let your will be done in this place and into the nations. And you see, and unity takes humility. Unity takes that humility, like even if there's strained relationships, man, I'm going to forgive, man, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to, I'm going to walk the way of the cross. I believe that is our invitation. In the I, short of Aswakop Munt in Namibia, I, we did a marriage enrichment thing. And so I asked the guys at some point, okay, married couples, which one of the two of you apologizes First if you had like a bit of conflict. Okay, married couples here in the house, quickly, which one? Talk. Which one apologizes first? Raise your hand if you apologize first. Okay. That's good, that's good. You can figure out quickly there who's first, okay. Okay, so I told the guys there in Swakop that that one that raised the hand, that's the mature one. Ouch, ouch, but it's the truth. The mature one goes to the cross. The mature one humbles themselves. The mature one says, I am sorry. The mature one says, hey, I forgive you. The mature one chooses the way of the cross so that you ultimately can experience resurrection life in your relationships. It really is the key. I think relationships are really easy. If both parties would just humble themselves, then you can figure out everything. But when we become selfish, and me, myself, and my way, like my wife does that often, my way. (laughs) Now those who know her would say, you're lying. Yes, I'm lying. (laughs) The way of the cross leads to the resurrection life, the blessing, the abundant life. And I want to call us into it. I feel like the Lord, the Holy Spirit wants to come and highlight certain things in our lives. Certain things in our lives to reposition ourselves at the cross. For instance, sometimes I think for for our singles, it's like you have this dream of having that the right spouse, the right person in your life. And you're like, man, I'm trusting for that. And then someone arrives on the scene and and you're so desperate. And so afraid that if you don't take this one, you're not going to have love in the future. And so I've seen this so many times. People choose the wrong one because they're so desperate. Instead of choosing the cross, which is just another season of you on your own with the Lord. And then the blessing will come. And People miss out. They miss out because they choose their way and not God's way. I'm sure all of us want abundant life. God's way to abundant life is patience, humility, meekness, kindness, mercy to those around us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.